Welcome to The Parenting Breakdown. I am your host, Rachel. I am a social worker and a consultant with some of the most high-pressure schools in the country where I help parents and educators talk through issues around perfectionism and urgency. And I'm raising my two little ones with uh, this guy right here. That'd be me. Yeah, that's you. Hi, everyone. My name is Matt. I'm Rachel's husband. My story is I used to be in New York City politics for a long time, got burnt out, decided to take a hard left and became an executive coach. And for the past few years, I've been working with leaders all around the country, helping them figure out how they can show up as the best version of themselves. Doesn't mean the best, it means the best version of themselves. And right. that's what we're doing here as parents. It's not like we're going to be the best parents, but right. there's a know. big difference yeah. right, between trying to be the best because we know that like when we just say we're trying to be the best at something, it's based on external standards or right. As opposed to what is the best version of who we are, of our values, of what we want to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's going to look different for everybody, right? Absolutely. This is not a prescription to how to make sure your kids are the happiest on the block. <laughs> this is a podcast about people that are just trying to keep it all together. Mm-hmm. It may be frayed around the edges, mm-hmm. but you're putting in the work every day. Yeah. How can we show up in ways that we feel good about within a world that can make it really hard to feel good about yourself? (laughs) Can make it really hard to feel like you're ever enough or doing enough? Well, that kind of, I think, leads nicely to what our question of the day is, right? Which, yes. Thank you so much for folks who have written to us at parentingbreakdown at gmail.com. We really appreciate it. And we've gotten some really thoughtful questions. Yeah, we really have. To get to all of them as we go along with these episodes. But you want to share what we got today? Yeah, absolutely. I do. Yeah, we got a great question from a listener that certainly hits home for me. And this person said that they find it overwhelming how much they tend to take on all the emotions and feelings of their child. And they know as a parent that we all worry about our children's emotions, but sometimes it can feel all encompassing. Mm. For example, if we're sharing stories from our day and one of my kids expresses they had a bad day, gives me an example of what went wrong, like their friends were being mean and excluding them, or they answered a question incorrectly in class and students laughed at them and they held back tears. That hurts me. hurts my heart to read. This person said, I get so upset on their behalf, I can't shake off the sad feelings myself. Wow. So what comes up when you hear that question? And you're making like a nodding sad face as you read it. What's what's there for you? Yeah, there's a lot that's there for me. There's like thinking. I should about, say sad. Empathetic, I think, is actually the the. Yeah, the well, it's hard to see our kids struggle, right, and to feel those feelings of shame and being teased. And so I get like deeply this person's. I, I'm a deep feeler. I like. I feel fact check <laughs> true. <laughs> I think it's really hard. We are raising these children and we love them deeply. And it can be really hard to hear about the ways in which they are interacting with the world. Well, and I think that that's true. Hearing any information that your kid tells you that things are hard for them (sighs) or that they're in pain is it can really tug at your heartstrings. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting, though, what our reaction is to that, right? Absolutely. And I think there's something interesting about that question that really gets at a lot of what we're talking about. Yeah. So much of this is about our own relationship to ourselves. Yep. Right? Yep, that's right. And I don't know, when I heard that, I think this is where it breaks down differently between us because 
I think that in, in our home, I feel terrible. If our kids are sad ever, I feel awful about it. But I also have a really strong, yeah. like deep belief of their resiliency, right? Yeah. And whatever the thing that's happening that yeah. like, I know that we've worked so hard and mm -hmm. put so much time into them and they've been responsive to it, that they will get through it, right? Like mm -hmm. they, it's not a crisis. It's maybe a sad thing at the moment. Sure. But I believe that deeply. And I think that because I have that belief, it's able, I'm able to hear that and I don't know, not minimize it, but mm -hmm. feel like I can put it in perspective when I, but I know that's, but maybe I'm callous. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think you're callous. I think, yeah, I think that I might land there too, but there's like a journey that I go on What's before I journey? land there. Come like, I think, what your sure. Yeah. I think this is ultimately, we're talking about like triggers for parents, okay. right? Because, and trigger being something that just makes your nervous system feel like, ah, there's a problem here, right? Like right. it gets you activated. And so I really relate to this person that like hearing my kid being, you know, excluded or mistreated in some way or doing that towards others is going to like trigger something in me that I'm going to be thinking about and having feelings about whether it's sadness or anxiety or anger. And so there's a journey around noticing that. Yeah. Right. So I'm not just in my head and disappearing or taking it out on, I don't know, you perhaps. Sure. <laughs> I'm all for you not taking things out on me. Yeah, that I bet is you. great. I would sign up for that class. <laughs> Here you the journey is learning how to slow my reactions down yes. and pause. So it's not to say that like me feeling sad in response to our kid having a hard moment and you being like, ah, they're resilient, hey. that there's a right or wrong. But I think learning how to just be right. with our feelings is really hard because <laughs> they're yeah. uncomfortable, yeah. right? And Who wants to be with uncomfortable feelings? Yeah, totally. I know that. I would much rather be not present with those feelings. Right. Yeah. But I don't think that we actually learn how to hold them in ways that aren't damaging to ourselves or others if we don't learn how to sit with them. Yes. Right. I, oh, yeah. I totally agree. I yeah. mean, I think when people talk about like, when it comes to coaching, yeah. right, what makes coaching effective in a person, if I were to coach any executive or any person on the street, yeah, like the, their own ability to be self-reflective mm -hmm. is the only way that coaching works, right? Right. And the ability to be self-reflective is actually to hold yep. those uncomfortable feelings, right. right? To not brush everything bad aside, but to actually sit with the stuff that makes you feel icky. Right. And the stuff that you do that maybe doesn't align up with you in the right way. Yeah. And actually get really clear on it. Totally. Well, and I think that takes a lot of self-compassion, right? Because if we have those feelings and we try to push them away or we feel guilty about them or we beat ourselves up and say, right, like this person's asking, is this quote unquote like normal to take on our kids' feelings? And is there something I should do to fix it, right? I feel like another title of this podcast could just be Moms Feel Bad. <laughs> oh, God, totally. Right? There's, yeah, like we talked about in the first episode. Shout out episode. to all the moms <laughs> in the world that are feeling bad about themselves. I feel you and I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, and you being like, oh, they're going to get through it. Like, yes, you have a very deep belief in resilience. And also whatever's happening with your kids socially or emotionally is right. never going to be seen as your fault. Right. It's never, yes, right? Totally. Like you totally. are not seen yes. as responsible yes. for your yes. kid being amazing right. <laughs> or right. being 
bullying, right? All these things that we can like label kids with that even if rationally many of us know that kids behaviors, like kids are kids, they're people in the world figuring in a very complicated world with lots of different messages. They like anti-bullying things. And then we have bullies all over in leadership positions, right? So all to say that parenting has always been for in our Western culture, well, is that did the mom do it right? Right. It all traces right. back to mom and dad's there waving on the side. Right. right. I prefer to take credit for all the best things about our kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. And I will leave you responsibility for all Thank the you. things Thank you. where That's they can sweet. improve. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. That's really good for my stress levels. That's- my sense, of, my sense of self. Also, tough break for our six-year-old and our 10-year-old, which are we're taking notes on where they need to improve. They yeah. don't. They're fine. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's another piece, right? Is, yeah, we just wring ourselves out as moms. Like, we feel sad for our kids, and then are we too sad for our kids? And, like, mm, we feel bad right, about that. Like, right, I mean, that, that, right? that It's like, am I being so too telling. empathetic? Am right. I, right? And, and I get it. I do. It's like all of that self-doubt all of that beating ourselves up for our very human and it's so wild because from my perspective where it's i know so many badass women in this world yeah who are rock stars yep kicking ass, sitting next to one of them ne- married one of them <laughs> and it's and i think it's it is it feels like cognitive dissonance well there's a word about there's a word that describes it can <laughs> you guess what is it, it is called patriarchy sure is. Uh, ding ding yeah, But I think, yes, and if I were to look af- at a distance from these folks, these women that I know and respect, yeah, I would, and without, yeah. I don't know what's going on in their personal lives, I would just think that they're all, oh, they're just doing whatever they show up at work is how they're showing up at home. Yeah. And they're so confident and it's obviously, there's a lot that goes on oh, behind please. the scenes. Oh, yeah. please. Yeah. Well, is it, again, that's where with any, in any relationship, right, it's if people feel safe enough to express their full self, right? But most people in the workplace, particularly women of color, like the less safety you have institutionally, historically, the more you're going to feel like you have to, it's the be twice as good, work twice as hard, right? And so, yeah, you're not going to, you're not going to see people admitting all of this because it's not safe to do that. Right, right. So yes, we all put on our armor to go out into the world, but all this stuff runs so deep and every woman I know is walking around when it comes to parenting. There's a part of them feeling like I am not doing this good enough. Yeah. Like I am messing it's this such up a, in some way. That's such a reoccurring theme, right? It's hard. It's always going to, it's going to come up time and again because it, yeah. it feels like such a cornerstone. And it leads to then the tell me what to do, which is the, how this parenting industry has popped up. Yeah. That is like, you are an expert to all these different parenting people out there. Like, what do I do to fix this situation? Because clearly what I'm doing is wrong. Yeah. And I think there's another way to think about it, which is just we're human and relationships are messy and kids come home upset about things and kids don't want to get out the door when we have to go to work like that these aren't necessarily these aren't problems that need to be fixed they're realities of life that can we have compassion for ourselves around yeah even though i understand that patriarchy is the reason why women also often walk around with this in tremendous feelings of guilt about their job their jobs as a parent i hear this is putting so much pressure Mm-hmm. on ourselves right and it's yep. and i think it's the way that that pressure lessens 
is really up to the men or their partners. If you're co-parenting with someone, like how that person is also stepping up into that space to to take well, to shoulder some of that load. Yes, yes. And but also back to something we've talked about, which is like this whole nuclear family setup. So if you're a single parent right. and or if you're in a relationship, it is up to you. <laughs> We're not a community raising children. It's all the emotional labor, all of the day to day, like yeah. packing the lunches and do right. All of the work, which is immense, falls on one or two adults. Yeah. Right. And more often than not, one, whether right. or not you're in a single. And more often than not, on of the mom. Of course. Right. And it's just a setup to always feel like we're not doing enough. That yeah. is the setup of yeah. the system is that we are always going to feel like we could be doing it better. Someone else is doing it better. Look at Instagram, right? All that stuff yeah. we've talked about. And so I think with this person that wrote in, are there ways that this person can be a little compassionate towards yeah. themselves? Right. I was also thinking, I thought something that kind of was struck me when I heard the question yeah. is I know that when we're in a situation and yeah. you have a problem and you bring it to me, my first instinct always <laughs> is to give it room to breathe, no. <laughs> ask me how I'm really feeling, like, how can I support you with this? Right. All that. Or <laughs> I have a great idea. Yeah. And, oh, I can, yeah. and if I tell you that idea, yeah. then you can implement it. Yeah. And that, then how does that generally you'll go? You'll feel better. <laughs> Not well. No, I don't like but that. Yes. Mm -hmm. When it comes to our kids, mm -hmm. I feel like there's a, that dynamic can play out, right? When a child comes home from school, like mm -hmm. in this situation, and I'm hearing the mom's yeah. voice, I bet mm -hmm. her first instinct to try to fix is it. to try to fix of it course. right and i think yeah do you think that kids want that no i think kids want to feel seen and heard and also want to feel that we as adults can handle their experiences right, right? and when we start to get activated and give advice i think that they get the message that there's not really room for me here. Yeah. And so, no, I, and that's where so much of it comes down to noticing like, ooh, I am activated. I'm feeling the urge to fix. I'm feeling the urge to grill for information. Whatever that yeah. urge is, noticing it, maybe if we started to do it and then we can catch ourselves. Yeah. And yeah, how do we just sit with, yeah. like that sounds really hard. Yeah. Or thanks for sharing that with yeah. me. What can I do to be supportive for you right now? Or just holding the space and knowing that later on, to this mom later on, she can spend a little time talking to a parenting partner if she's parenting with a partner, talking to friends, talking to other people to think about how do I want to support my kid with this, right? What do I need to do next? And going slow, right? Maybe there is some more information to gather about what's happening. Maybe there are parents of some of these other kids where there's friends and exclusion and stuff. And maybe there's some conversations to have with the parents and have more of a community approach. There's a lot of options of what we can do to support our kids when they're telling us things that are hard. Yeah. That's why being prescriptive takes away our curiosity to see how we can best be of service and support to them in those situations. But it all starts with noticing our very legitimate That's desires to jump in in some way and well, being kind with ourselves speaking about of that. jumping in no but i think what i'm hearing you say in terms of how this mom is approaching the situation is that just for them to sh when you're hearing your kids 
say these things that make you upset, the first thing is taking a pause, right? And checking in with what's happening in yourself, right? And then giving that emotion room to breathe before. This is the foundation of everything in parenting that can help us move from reactive to responsive, right? Yes, to feel our desires, to fix, to yell, to feel those desires and to be able to talk back to ourselves in gentle ways to be like, ah, of course I'm feeling like this. Yeah. Right. As because I think when we're critical, oh, why can't yeah. I shake this? Yeah. Why am I yelling? Why am I yeah. sad? It makes it harder for us to move through that feeling and then create the space to actually look at, well, what is going on here? When we come down, I see it as like a, it's like a little ride we're on yeah. of emotion. I know that ride real well. And we can get stuck on like the tip of the roller coaster in that deep emotional state where we're activated, we're not actually able to see what we're contending with. So yes, it's giving ourselves the room to get to a calmer place if it's not a crisis situation and have the faith that if we do that, the questions about what we should do next, we will have much more of a chance of finding those creative solutions or interesting ideas. And also just, and I know this is hard in the moment, but to just, have the knowledge that so many other people are experiencing the exact same thing that you are. Even when you're in this moment and you're being critical and you're being so hard on yourself and you feel so sad and you're worried about your kid that it doesn't erase any of those feelings. But there is something about the solidarity of being in a collective of people that feel the same way. And even though it doesn't get talked about as much as we would like it to, just know that, right? And I know that if you're listening to this podcast, it's because you really care about being a parent or, mm-hmm. or know other folks that care about being parents. And your kids are, are, are lucky and, and blessed to have you in their life because you care. Mm-hmm. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> we are going to head into our... Uh, parenting highlights of the week. And our parenting pivots. So for me, a highlight um, was this morning. Okay, what happened? (laughs) Well, I was really struggling with some anxiety this morning. And I know you have witnessed this and and been subject to this many times. I leave the moment and I get lost in the perseverating, trying to fix in my mind. You're in your own head. I'm deep in my own head. That's right. So as someone who has really struggled with anxiety my whole life and knows what a toll that being stuck in my head with my own anxiety, like what a toll that can have on others. It's been a big commitment for me in parenting. And you've done a great job. Yeah. There's something actually about the kids and like a real deep accountability that helps me get out of my head. So this morning I was in it and I was saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to make the choice when I go downstairs to say good morning and be present with the kids but then I'm going to go back to worrying about this. <laughs> and that would have been fun for me. Thanks. Because <laughs> cool. it was just. You got it. Matt. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go back to the room and. No, I wasn't going to go back to the be room. Be in my head. I wasn't going to go back to the oh, room. Even better. Yeah. I'm just going to be in the room and be in my head and you can just do all the other stuff. Yeah. And I realized that was what my plan was. Great. I'm glad you realized. I did. That okay. was a real highlight. It is a highlight. I was caught up yes. in some deep anxiety. Yes. My heart was racing, yes. right? And I noticed that was my plan was I don't really want to leave this anxious state. I need to keep worrying about this. I need to keep worrying about it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And the more you worry about something, usually 
that's how you get to worry about it less. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, yeah. I spent so many years perfecting yeah. the, the ineffective yes. art of yes. thinking I can worry my way into a solution. Yeah. So somewhere along the lines, I caught myself going down that very well-worn neural pathway. Yeah. And I was like, no. And when I went downstairs, I was like, I'm just going to lean in and be present this morning. I'm going to put this on the shelf and I'm going to be present. And I did. And it helped. And I noticed that mm. you, didn't, I, you came downstairs and I had no idea that you were mm. in that place and you were present and it was great. And no one felt messed up by your mood and right. kids were cool and the energy was fine. We got them out the door. Every day is a victory when the children Every go to day school. Is a victory. It That's really it. is. And and so thank school. you for your, I appreciate your contributions to that effort. Well, and it made me think about one thing that my beloved coach, Dana Balicki has talked about, which has really resonated with me is like, what is your energetic wake that you're leaving? Okay. I like that. Yeah. And that feels so important. And yes. I think about that a lot. What is the energetic wake that I'm leaving behind? Oh, a thousand percent. Right? I'm a big subscriber to energetic wake. Yeah. And so I was thinking about that this morning. And I was just like, I want to be conscious of my energetic yeah. wake. And I was. And then I certainly went back to the thing. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm in the process of working through what's at the heart of this anxiety yeah. right now. But I, it felt like a real highlight to be able to recognize it and yeah. to make that choice. Uh, and I appreciate it. And thank you for that. Thank the you. Kids, thank you too. <laughs> and now we move on to mm. the next segment, which is the parent pivot of the week. That's right. This one is about, I don't know if, if any of our listeners ever have uh, cursed in front of their children, but I definitely, I have, I do sometimes. If you listen to this podcast regularly, you may hear a blue word <laughs> every now and then. The other day, I cursed in front of my 10-year-old and I didn't even think about, I didn't even realize, it felt like I was with a friend for a second because I just mm. was like, Well, yeah. that can happen, right? There's these moments as he's getting older right. where I feel like we can both kind of right. like start to act in ways that we would act with a peer. And then you're like, oh, no, no, he's our child and he's dead. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know? And so I, yeah, yeah I totally curse. And not even in a way where I didn't even need to curse. It wasn't even, I just, I used the word shit. I just was like, ah, oh, he won't care about that shit. And then <laughs> he, he looked at me and he said, dad, you cursed. And now I, I guarantee that that's not the first time. I don't know if this, if, if his reaction was just giving me a hard time or if he actually felt upset by it. But then he leaned into me and said, I can't believe you did that. You're supposed to be my role model. <laughs> Does that mean that I can curse? If you curse, can I curse? And I was like, no. And I just made something up where I was like, no, it doesn't mean that you can curse. Like you can be better than me. And I don't think he believed me or bought it, but I felt bad. Obviously we're human. So there are times that we're going to slip on it. But I think it did reiterate that these kids are always looking at us and are always taking our cues for guidance, even when we're not expecting it. And even when we're half paying attention, it was a helpful moment for me to just remember like, gosh, they are like little sponges, right? Yeah, they are. And this is an interesting one because I think on the one hand, you know, you saying shit one time doesn't feel like a huge deal, but I... What but if I said shit a hundred times? <laughs> right. Well, I do think that it's about, 
habits, right? I think like we are trying to be in the habit of not cursing in front of our children because I think it's about intentionality. We talk a lot about language with our big kid. And so where the S word, as we would call it. Which could also be sucks because we don't like him saying sucks either. Absolutely. Well, because sucks, you're always using it to insult something, whether it's a person or a situation or whatever. It's always kind of a pejorative way of describing something, right? And I also just think for me, it feels like using the word shit the way that I did in this case was just pretty lazy, right? Like Uh what I really was saying was it's not of a concern to him, but I just sort Mm -hmm. of shortened it to using the word shit. And I want to be thoughtful about what I say. And I think in his mind, when he looks up at me, I don't curse normally around him. So I think it's anytime that your parent does something out of their character, it feels a little jarring. And I think for some kids, maybe more so than others. Right. And so, you know, uh, commitment that we've made. Obviously, I, I curse quite a lot when he's not around. <laughs> but that being said, I, there's a reason why I don't normally do it. Right. Because I, I don't certainly I don't want our little guy also to hear it. Right. So. Right. Because these are words that have power. All yeah. words have power. And that's what we've talked about before when we've talked to him about cursing, right? That both that all words and all curse words have power. And then there's also different levels and different types of words, right? So, right. Because... And at age 10, as long as we're having conversations about it in real life, like I'm not as concerned with the word shit being in a song he's listening to, let's say. But obviously the F word or any word that would be against a group of people, right? The B word, whatever. that S word was in a 90s hip hop song, then. (laughs) Right. He may be a little 90s hip hop head. And that means that we have to have a lot of conversations about language. Yes. There's no way he's listening to any music that Rachel has is shaking cursing her in head it. vigorously as she's explaining this. So <laughs> well I'm just saying there's words that we're not gonna allow being said even in the songs yes, that he's listening to. Yes. Yeah. So there's a lot to talk about when it comes to language. Right. And I think that you one time saying this is not a big deal. Yes. And I don't think I've uh, drastically changed the way uh he looks at me or violated our relationship. But it's something that I'm not going to be really intentional. I'm not trying to do it again. I, I ruined the tooth fairy for him when he overheard me on a work call when he was in second grade. Oh, uh, he overheard me. I don't know why I was talking about the tooth fairy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That must have been a great job. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. Listeners, it was not uh, a great job. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, All we always... do is laugh and laugh. <laughs> Oh my God. Sometimes we have to, you know, because sure. these are trying times. They are trying times. With... Hopefully you're laughing along with us. <laughs> All right. Well, I think it's time. Sounds good. We got a sick kid downstairs, don't we? Party has come to an end. Party has come to an end. As we'll always, see you all next week. Uh, please email us. Email us. Reach out to us. Tell yeah. us what you think, how you're feeling, where you're at, uh, parentingbreakdown at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at parentingbreakdownpod. And if you like what you're hearing and you want to support us, you can give us a five-star rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. Cool. And we would be so appreciative. We can't wait to hear from you and we will see you next week. Bye. Parenting Breakdown is a Clamor Audio production distributed by the Cloud 10 Network. Hosted and executive produced by me, Rachel Hennis. And me, Matt Borden. Executive produced by Aaron Hilliard. Clamor General Manager, Rich Statter. Associate Producer, Ethan Aronson. 
post-production supervised by Devin Ruskin, production assistant Samara Mullick. Special thanks to Sim Sarna and Saiba Krieger at Cloud10. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.